homelands. These are our ancestral homelands. And it is so important for us to conserve, protect, and make sure that the balance is, is any more than it already has been and I don't think people realize most people realize like what will happen if the Everglades is destroyed Earth Community Podcast, where we sit down with global indigenous voices and hear how they're honoring the traditions of protecting the planet. Hey, Cheyenne, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You know, I first saw you at the Unity Conference in Orlando when you were using your platform of Miss Indian World to inspire and support the Native youth. And I have to tell you, you did an amazing job. Uh, everyone oh, thank you. was so energized by your presence and all the conversations you had. It, it was just amazing to see uh, how of an inspiration you are for uh, the youth. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that a lot, you know? And I think, um, you know, Miss Indian World definitely was a great opportunity to kind of bring those things to life and like channel it in the right way. But, you know, it, it really has shown me that I just love what I do. I love public speaking. I love connecting with our people. And, you know, it was so important to me to utilize the platform to the best extent, you know what I mean? And so whether it's talking about cultural preservation, you know, um, land preservation, you know, inspiring our youth, whatever it is, like, I'm just, just ready to do it all. <laughs> and unity is such a special place too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you know, it's been such a beautiful journey and it's connected me with so many incredible people just like you. And, you know, it's awesome. The opportunities that have come out of it, the conversations that have happened as well. And, you know, that makes me even more excited for today and what we're going to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you again for being here. And, you know, you're, you mentioned that you're Miss Indian World, a uh, culture icon, a uh, goodwill ambassador. And also someone who also uh, speaks the importance of mental health and so much more. Your bio is like pages and pages, you know. Or is <laughs> like, can you tell me like, who are you? Where you come from and where are you going? Absolutely. So I think to do that, the most important thing I have to do would be introduce myself. You know, the same way I would introduce myself to anybody. So I'm going to start off with introducing myself in my native language, Elipongue. And so, Chahochef get Cheyenne de Shet. And so um, what I just said is, hi, everybody. My English name is Cheyenne. My given name is Itet, which actually translates to fire in English. It's kind of a joke with my grandmother. <laughs> so, but um, um, I am a Seminole tribe member. I live here in Hollywood, and my family is of the Panther clan. But um, aside from being Seminole, I am part Chilena. My mom was born and raised in Chile. And so I've been given such a blessed life to be able to have both sides of my family raise me. And so I do know just a little bit of Spanish and I'd be trying to speak it here and there. But 
But um, yes, I mean, as Miss Indian World, which by the way, was something that was not exactly part of my, my plan for myself. I never anticipated for this to happen, but it has ended up being one of the most incredible and highest honors I've been able to hold in my short 25 years of life. And I really can't imagine like what things would be like without having pageantry in my life. And so I guess to know where I am right now, you have to know where I came from. And so I was born and raised in Hollywood. I, like I said, I still live here today. And I was raised with both sides of me. So my Chilena side as well as my Seminole side. And, you know, my both of my parents and both sides of my family were very, very big on, um, you know, raising us with those cultural values, with those the sense of community and knowing where we're from, where we are, and our our, our role and our purpose in the world. And, and so, you know, the connection that I feel with, where I am, as well as when I visit other people's lands, other people's homes, you know, it, it goes a lot deeper. And I'm always wanting to understand the history behind those things and, you know, how different regions and different lands, um, you know, your, your partners with where you're from, that's kind of how it's a relationship that you have. And so it's interesting to learn about the relationships that people have with their homelands. And so, but um, yes, I mean, so before Miss Indian World, I, I really struggled with my mental health. I was really struggling with my education, especially in high school. And I actually ended up dropping out for a little bit. And I was just very, very lost. And I was really trying to find myself. And I found myself working a full-time job. And I, I just needed direction. And so I was encouraged to go back. And I did end up finishing high school. I graduated about two years late. And I decided ultimately to just try college and see what would happen. And it was very, very difficult. It took me um, longer than probably the average person to finish it, but I did. And for some reason, you know, after I graduated with my associates, I walked the stage. I still have this very empty feeling and I just was, I wasn't very happy with myself and I really didn't understand who I was or what I was supposed to do. And, you know, I'm a very firm believer that all of us have a purpose in each lifetime that we live. And, you know, whether it's being a mother, whether it's being a language teacher, if it's advocating for the land, if it's, you know, being anybody really, we all have a job, like a, a purpose, a path that we're supposed to take. And I just didn't know what mine was. And so trying to get myself out of this comfort zone that I was in, I decided to run for Miss Florida Seminole for my own tribe. And it was the most beautiful experience. And I actually ended up getting crowned as Miss Florida Seminole. And that kind of set myself on this path of learning about myself, learning about what it was that I wanted to be, the woman that I wanted to be. And, you know, probably about nine, 10 months later, I found myself with the guts to finally run for Miss Indian World. And I guess I made a good decision because we're here. But, yeah. um, yeah, I, I really take pride in being very honest and very transparent about my my experiences in my life and whether that's mental health or education or identity as well, you know, being multicultural was something that I really had to come to terms with and, you know, being confident and being okay with just who I was. And then I, yeah, I definitely tried to put that in to what it is that I want the world to see from their Miss Indian world is just being proud, feeling beautiful no matter what, being confident and being honest about the ups and downs of life, of life, 
but also, you know, just seeing that there's no one way to be an Indigenous person. You know, we're modern people. We're not these old pictures that we always see in textbooks or on Google. You know, we're modern living people. And whether we're in the city, whether we're on the res, whether we're, you know, on the front lines, whether we're teachers, you know, we're still who we are. And so, um, yeah, and I guess as far as where I see myself going, I definitely want my education and um, being able to serve in these different ambassador positions has really given me a different perspective on the world and what it is that I want to contribute to it. And um, I realize a lot of what I do as Miss Indian World is considered public health. And so the goal is to go and get my next degree in public health. And I hope to bring it home to my people and maybe address some of these issues that is so common in a lot of our communities. That is amazing. That's such a journey. And I feel like sometimes it takes a little bit of us to figure out like who we are. And in a sense, it's like we are the person that we always been. It's just kind of accepting, you know, our journey and kind of be like, okay, you know, maybe I was bullied as a kid because they were uh, you know, teasing me about this aspect of my life. And then you embrace that and then you become whole and then you're able to give back. So I kind of feel like I had something like a similar journey too. So I'm, I'm appreciated that you, you know, came out on, on the end. And uh, this platform you have, the Miss Indian World, has taken you all over, uh, you know, uh, traveling. Uh, but what, what, where would you say that home is for you? Oh, home is definitely right here where I am. You know, I feel like as as many places as I've traveled to, even before Miss Indian World, you know, I've been to different countries. I've experienced different, like, climates and environments. I've been all over the United States with the crown. And, um, yeah, like, nothing just compares to my little city of Hollywood. You know, I I laugh all the time because people ask me to, to describe it. And I think they, they expect this... <laughs> um, kind of extraordinary answer that would be different to anything that they've probably seen in their life, but it is like a very standard kind of city life. I mean, you know, I have McDonald's here and IHOP and all these things. Um, and what's unique about it is that um, our tribe, the Seminole Tribe of Florida, we have six different reservations. And um, as opposed to one large reservation that tends to be a lot more typical, um, our six reservations are all spread apart. And we have our Brighton Reservation, which is also like very out west and it's very remote and, you know, a lot more in the forest kind of area of Florida. And then our Big Cypress Reservation is more located towards the glades. Um, And Hollywood, you know, is our city reservation. We're right smack in between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And so it's very urban, very modern. Um, But, you know, it's home and it's, it's funny because we look at our community and we have the smallest reservation, yet it's the most populated. And I couldn't imagine waking up and like not seeing the same cars every day or like knowing that <laughs> I know where everybody lives in my community. And, you know, my sisters are up the road for me and my dad's right there. My grandma's here. My aunt's right there. And um, yeah, you know, they always say home is where the heart is. And I definitely am like a Hollywood girl at heart through and through. And it's funny because I, I always make the joke that no matter where I go, I kind of like leave a little bit of Hollywood there or I bring the sun with me because we're from Florida. And, you know, it's it's unlike any other thing I've ever seen in the world. Nothing really compares to it. And it has its own 
its own life just being what it is. And it's, it's neat to see where it's come from, you know, cause before it was Hollywood, it was Dania and, you know, there was nothing really out here. It was very con- remote back then. And now it's very commercial and, and full of people. And it's like one of the worst traffic areas ever, but you know, it's home. And I, I enjoy being able to share it with everybody and getting to share that, that different experience of being, I guess, from around the res, but also being from the city. And so, but yeah, it's, it definitely is where my heart is. And I feel like no matter where I go, or no matter where I travel to, a little bit of me is always going to be here. That's beautiful said. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to be talking to you. I know we've been planning this for a long time. And I'm just, you know, also excited to be sharing uh, Florida with someone because, you know, Florida this is amazing. I love it. Uh, I know some people are down on Florida, but I think it's an amazing place. And uh, I know uh, down south, um, now that it's cold, there's the fallen iguanas, right? I was talking to a coworker about it when it gets too cold. <laughs> they have the weather report where it says, we're going to have fallen iguanas. Like, where else in the world you're going to have that on the news, you know? I don't think people take it as literal what it as what they how they say it, but that's literally what happened. The iguanas literally freeze, and then they're just falling like out of trees. They'll be driving and just see one like plop down, and you're like, but you know, to me, I'm like, oh man, like I hope nobody runs it over. Worst case scenario, but um, I laugh at the house we grew up in when we were you know still kids. We had this big big oak tree in the back, and we were doing the yard one day with my dad. And I remember I seen him just standing, he was doing the weed eating and something fell on him. Oh and we all started freaking out because we didn't know what it was. Yeah. And it was an iguana. It was an iguana <laughs> that fell right on his head. <laughs> and we were like, what do we do? Do we try to thaw it out? Like, I, we didn't know what to do. And so we just, we put him in the garage. And I remember we had like, kind of like caged it in this little area and um, we actually never found him. We went back to find him and he was gone. So he's probably still in that garage to this day. But if they're frozen, just leave them. <laughs> yeah, See, this is proof. I told my coworker that this happened in Florida. He didn't believe me. So now we have proof that we do have fallen iguanas in Florida. And it's just like <laughs> a popsicle that falls on you and then, you know, moves away. Um, but fallen iguanas, you know, let's talk about the bigger lizard, the alligator. Uh, you know, I do a lot of kayak cleanups in Florida. We take the trash out of the water. And number one question, do you see alligators? Yes. Florida, you're going to have alligators everywhere. And I saw recently that you posted on, on your Instagram. By the way, one of the best Instagram accounts that there is. I'm definitely oh, thanks. Put, yeah, I'm going to put your <laughs> handle on the show description so people can follow you. But you posted something really interesting about um, the history of alligator wrestling. Uh, I thought it was so cool. Um, you know, I, you know, living in Florida here, of course, you like, sometimes you have to jump on top of the alligator to kind of take it out of your <laughs> garage. Uh, but uh, <laughs> tell me about um, that. Uh, I don't know if you want to kind of share a little bit more about that post you made about the history of the uh, alligator wrestling. Yes. So, um, you know, as Seminoles, we have a really, really unique history because not only do we still live in unceded territory, which means that we live on our ancestral lands. This is where our people were pre-colonization and we are still proudly here today. And for that, we are the unconquered Seminole tribe of Florida. But also what's unique is um, 
you know, and I love sharing this about the Everglades and where we're from, because the same way that, you know, we have a, a job really to protect the Everglades and, 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 and it's whole, you know, it protected us as well. And so our, our relationship with the wildlife is also very unique and alligators specifically, you know, was something that, um, you know, I look at them as they're, they're beings, they're not just animals, you know, we're in that relationship is so much deeper than just, um, there's an alligator in my pool and we need to get it out. And, you know, sometimes it, unfortunately it ends up with the, the gators being put down and that's something that we're not taught, you know, we're taught to protect them and to, and to maintain that balance, that relationship. And so, you know, being here from the Everglades, that relationship outdates probably most relationships that people know. And that started off with more being a survival tactic. And so what you'll see in modern alligator wrestling are these different moves and styles, but these are, these were survival tactics that our people had to uh, come up with and eventually found and adapt to. And so when we were being pushed more towards the glades, which is more towards west of Florida, um, we had to survive. And what we were doing was learning the land and alligators you know, was one of those things. And so um, whether it was for hunting or for just relocating them, we started developing these, these skills. And so even bulldogging was something that our people came up with historically. And that's when they like put the, the gator's nose like right under the chin and they hold it. They hold and, it like that, yeah. Yeah, and they hold it. And, you know, it's neat because it's something that's so, like it's a wow factor in these different wrestling shows, but it's something that like, you know, I've like seen my uncles do. <laughs> so it's always really funny to talk about it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess to go deeper into it, you know, it was, it was survival. That's what our people were going through. And so we with like I said, whether if it was relocating or if it was like the actual meat that we needed, um, since it's so humid here, meat goes bad very, very fast. And obviously it's not like they had refrigerators back then. And so they to bring the gators back to the camp alive in order to, you know, prolong that, I guess, just um, how long it would be in between actually like butchering it and then being able to eat it. And so th sometimes these men would have to go out by themselves and go get gators. And so that's where bulldogging came from. They would have to hold it. They'd have to get the rope and tie their mouth shut. And yeah, that's what our men did. And so eventually when we started making contact with the, the settlers that were here in Florida, we were having to adapt also with the times and we had to, you know, find a way to feed our families and support our families and tourism started to become very, very big. And so we started opening these Indian camps where they would give alligator wrestling shows and we pretty much created, you know, like our own arenas and our own shows. And that was, you know, one of the first ways that we were financially supporting our, our, our tribe really. And so even to this day, we have our camps, we have our villages that are open to tourists, unfortunately not now because of COVID, but um, today you can still come out here and see authentic Seminole or Mikasuki alligator wrestling. And um, 
you know, and there's so much to learn about it, about balance, about relationships. And, you know, the same way that we, you know, look at the land or look at the flowers or anything, you know, alligators still hold an importance to this ecosystem and to the environment itself. And it's so important to remember that these, they're not just wild animals, they're beings, and we should respect them the same way that we would respect, you know, our neighbors or, you know, someone random that we see at a supermarket. And these are the same teachings and same beliefs that we still hold today. And so, you know, um, and they're not kidding when they say alligators are everywhere. Even if you're in the city, you can wake up one day and if you live near a lake, you can have a gator in your backyard or in your pool. And so, you know, it's being respectful and remembering that these gators were here long, long before most of us were. And sometimes they're even older than we are. And yeah. so just important to be respectful and remember that, you know, there's a there's a relationship that always needs to be maintained is the best way I think to put it. Yeah. Thank you so much for really giving us like the history of the alligator wrestling and, and so much information and, you know, something that you kind of mentioned kind of hit a nerve with me in the sense that uh, when you say that the alligators are beings and, you know, I never like really like stopped to think about it, but it's, it's true. Like when you are around an alligator, you feel a presence of something there that is, is you know, like, um, I guess the, 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 the easiest way to explain is like when you're looking at a dog, you, you see the dog, but the dog has a little bit of presence there. There's that intelligence uh, behind those eyes that you kind of like feel like this animal, uh, you know, in a way, you know, it, it is closer to, to what a human is and other animals and the alligator has that i never thought uh, to think about that but you're right it's like they you, you feel their presence of like that that i, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it, it is um, a good point that you have uh, to treat them you know like we would treat uh, people and you kind of mentioned a little bit about the everglades and the importance of this uh, can you tell us a little more about why is it important i know that is a big uh, biodiversity um, place here in Florida, you know, what, what else uh, the Everglades does uh, for us? Um, I guess so if you want to get more into the science side of the Everglades, you know, it's, it's the heart of Florida. And if you look at any wetlands, whether it's like here in Florida or even Louisiana, these wetlands serve such a huge purpose in our ecosystems and, and in the balance of those ecosystems. And so these wetlands, um, they're kind of like the kidneys of the world. You know, they, they clean all the water that flows through it. And um, you mentioned biodiversity. I mean, if you look at any area of the world that has the wetlands, like the Everglades, it's home to some of the most diverse um, beings everywhere. And so it's, you know, whether we want to talk about pollution or, you know, preservation or, um, just being respectful of the lands itself, you know, the Everglades is absolutely beautiful. It's, it's such a beautiful place. And, um, you know, I always have to remind myself that most people don't take, get to grow up between living um, in between the beach and the glades. And so we get a mix of everything out here. But, you know, the, the purpose of the Everglades was 
I think so much deeper than anything we will really ever understand as people, you know, the Everglades, the same as Everglades, or excuse me, as alligators, or, you know, all of these animals that have always been here predates us as humans. And, you know, unfortunately, we've seen so much of, you know, what uh, commercialization does, industrialization does, you know, the draining of the swamps. And, you know, yes, it's been made possible that people can live here now, but, um, you know, there's been a large disruption in the balance that used to be here. And we're still seeing it today. You know, there's still fights going on to protect these waterways, to protect the glades and to protect, you know, all of the plant species, the animal species that live and thrive in this environment. And so, um, you know, but the importance of, I think, culturally speaking, like I had mentioned before, long before long before, you know, most of us were here, the Everglades protected my people. And, you know, whether you're Indigenous or non-Indigenous, no matter where you're from, I think, you know, take a moment to kind of think about your relationship with the land or where you're living. You know, and no matter what region you're in, if it's the Glades, if it's the Plains, if it's, you know, the mountains, whatever it is, you know, these places, these ecosystems are all part of a much, much larger picture than sometimes we're able to see. And so sometimes I think it's very hard for people to think about the connection they may even hold with the land. And it's and it's so hard to explain it. It really is because these are things that we're just raised on, you know, knowing respect and knowing that these lands are going to outdate our lives. And you know, if you really want to talk about the circle of life, it's like you're born, you live, and eventually the land takes you back. You know, we're all, we all end up back in the land. And um, yeah, I really just try to encourage people to kind of take a moment and to think about what their relationship was, is with the land. And maybe if they don't necessarily feel it or understand it yet, it's okay to question it. That's, that's a good starting point is to question these things. And so you know, think about what these things serve and what these balances, you can work yourself into that balance as well. I mean, that's, that's one of the most beautiful things I ever heard. <laughs> that was awesome. That was really well put. Um, Thanks. I think um, it's just the modern life, man. It just get us to day in, day now, and we're just focused on a little corner, a little house, and, you know, like, you know, before it was housework, but nowadays a lot of us are just working from home. We don't even go outside and, you know, we don't really feel the weather because we're indoors, you know, we're sheltered. It's hot, we crank it up the AC. It's cold, we crank it up the heat. And it just has that that uh, disconnect with the outside world. And Oh, I- absolutely. And it's it's so easy to get caught up in that. And I mean, even me as a young person, even, you know, being, I guess, a of some of these things that we're discussing, you know, I even have to remind myself and that's okay. You know, it doesn't mean that you're, um, you know, a bad person or anything like that, or like you, you don't care per se. It just happens with modern living comes with living with AC, living with internet, especially now with being in this pandemic, you know, we're really, we don't have that freedom to just go outside and do whatever it is that we want to do. But, you know, if there's one thing my mom always encouraged me to do is, if there's grass around you, if there's land, sand, dirt, wherever it is that you may be from, my mom encouraged us to always go outside for just like five, 10 minutes a day 
and go walk on the floor barefoot and not on the concrete. I mean, like in the grass, in the dirt, in the sand, the water, whatever it is that may be around you, go outside and let your feet touch the ground. And that in a sense grounds you. And as a kid, I was like, mom, like, no, you know, you know, I didn't understand it as a kid, but now I get it. I get what she means, you know, and I think if anything with this pandemic, it has definitely amplified the the understanding of like what it is to, be, to go outside and breathe fresh air, to be around trees, to see grass, to see the water, the ocean or lakes, whatever it is. I think people are finding this appreciation for it because we're we're stuck inside these concrete walls. And it's hard. It's definitely difficult. But, you know, I, like I said, I still have to remind myself sometimes about it and, um, you know, recenter myself, reground myself, go take that five minute walk barefoot, even if your neighbors look at you crazy and just enjoy it. Enjoy the land that is around you and do what you can to contribute to that relationship, the same way that you would tend a relationship with your parents or your siblings or your partner, tend that relationship with the land as well. Learn about it and ask all these questions and, and don't be embarrassed about it either. It's okay. You know, sometimes, you know, we're not raised in families that know about that. Sometimes we don't know about the, the landscapes around us, but that's okay. Just, you know, go learn about it for yourself. And if it means creating the relationship and then tending to it and everything, you know, those, I think those are some of the things that bring a beautiful type of fulfillment to us as individuals in the world. I really do. Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we have to uh, take care of those relationships that we have with nature. And um, I think all of us had that friend that we invite out and, they make plans and they flake out and they're like, oh man. And then like, you invite them again and they flake out. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to invite them again. They just flake out, you know? Uh, but nature uh, would always be there for you. You know, it's like that childhood friend that you grew up with. They know you very well. They know um, your weakness. They know your strength. They always would be there to, to reach out. And you're right. You know, we have to uh, make that call, right? Pick up the phone and call nature and connect with nature because, uh, there's so much energy and love and, and distress that nature can give us. Just like you say, a couple minutes, you know, there's uh, studies, forest baiting, you know, people that just go outside and just get a little bit of vitamin uh, N, vitamin nature, as they call it. Um, and what, what do you think that, you know, people can do to, to help to preserve uh, the Everglades lakes? Because this podcast here, um, you know, people listen to all over the uh, United States and, and the world. Uh, you know, what, what can we do at home to help uh, preserve this, this Everglades? Um, I think one of the most important things you can do is amplify indigenous voices that have already been doing this for a very long time. I, I know that there's many organizations and advocates and individuals that have done a lot of work in regards to preservation and protection for the Everglades, but I do think it's extremely important to be you know, giving the indigenous voices that, like I said, have been doing this for a very long time, they deserve the seat at the table and they should be able to speak over these issues and um, really have uh, autonomy over these things. You know, we, we, our relationship with the, with the land, our understanding of the land, you know, our history with the land, these are things that only our people can hold 
And so I think it's extremely important that our people really have a say so in regards to policy, you know, protection and how we can accomplish these things as people. And um, I guess moving forward and being like a good ally in that way, um, use your voice, use the, the grounds that you have, you know, your abilities are not as limited as you may think, you know, um, sending an email is something that goes a very far away. Making a phone call can go a very far away. Um, you know, and with right now, what's going on is um, there's been a change in the the permitting process of what's going on with the Everglades. And um, actually, I, I purposely pulled this up so I could read it because I think I'm horrible at wording it. <laughs> um, but let's see. Okay. So the U.S. government has currently turned over wetland permitting authority to the state of Florida, giving it control of Section 404 of the Federal Clean Water Act. And so what is going on is historically the EPA, as well as the U.S. Army um, of Army Corps of Engineers were the groups that were overlooking the development of the wetlands. But now the state has that control and they will be supervising dredge and fill permits. Um, and this was something that neither the Miccosukee tribe or the Seminole tribe ever signed off on. This was just something that was done. And there are advocates, there are many organizations that are trying to fight this right now. And so, um, and there's many accounts that you can follow. I would be happy to share a list of with a list of those accounts for like Instagram or even just websites that people could look at. But, um, you know, what these organizers are asking is if you, if there's an email that you can send um, and you could also contact, um, what is it? The Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Commissioner, um, Nikki Fried, and I can provide that email as well as that call. Um, and I think the worry that a lot of us have is that you know like oh it's just it's just the natives that care you know that it's just like you know because mind you there's only 600 members within the Miccosukee tribe and um you know if you think about that 600 versus like the thousands hundreds of thousands and millions of people that live here in Florida they, I think that there's an assumption that most people just don't care and the reality is most people actually don't even know what goes on with these things um, it's very hush hush. And, and so I think it's so important that, you know, even if you're non-native, like use your voice and amplify the native voices that have been doing this and, you know, send that email, send, a, send an email every single day, actually. <laughs> and let's just, let's flood their emails. Let's flood their call lines. Like, let's let these people know that we care about our wetlands. We care about the Everglades. We care about what happens. We care about autonomy. We care about sovereignty, about protecting homelands. These are our ancestral homelands. And it is so important for us to conserve, protect, and make sure that the balance is, is corrupted any more than it already has been. And I don't think people realize, most people realize like what will happen if the Everglades is destroyed. You know, we're talking about um, even the effects of climate change. You know, if hurricanes, all of these things, the Everglades helps protect us in those natural disaster situations. You know, it wasn't like, you know, 
we just woke up one day and we, you know these are things that have been happening for a long long time and like i said it's very hush hush but you know with the the beauty of what social media and the internet has brought is that we are able to inform people and we are able to mobilize people and we are able to educate and get everybody on the same page. And so your Miss Indian World is asking all of you to send that email, to call that number at least once a day, because we, we need to protect what's, what's left is the best way to put it. You know, the Everglades was literally drained so that all of us could live here today, which is great. I know people love coming to Miami. They love Orlando. They love coming out here for vacation. Well, people live here. People live here every single day and we want it to stay the way it has been. You know, this is what we've been able to preserve and maintain up to this point and we don't want to see any more of it get destroyed. And so... I'm asking y'all to please help with this. Um, you can send an email to 404assumption-fl at epa.gov and you can just express your concerns and let them know that you do not agree with the decision to give the state of Florida control of section 404 of the Federal Clean Water Act. Or you could give a call, or just kidding, you can send an email to Nikki Fried also at N-I-K-K-I Nikki dot fried F-R-I-E-D at F-D-A-C-S dot gov. Or you can give them a call at 850-617-7700. And again, express your concerns, let them know that you do care, that you know what's going on, and you are going to keep calling every day until they stop and overturn it. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to put all the information on the show notes too. So if you want to um, go ahead and email or call, you, you'll be able to. And, you know, we, we have this conversation, you know, in this podcast, and we always try to raise awareness about what's going on on the planet, um, you know, talking about indigenous conservation heroes. Uh, but, you know, if this conversation just stays as a podcast, it doesn't really make an impact in the world. So this is where you come into part and follow um, you know, what we're asking uh, to help the Everglades. And like Cheyenne said, you know, if you come to Orlando one time or to Miami, like you have to help preserve it. You have to help keep Mickey alive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I feel like, again, you know, that's where this, the, the connection, the relationship that you may not understand with the land. This is where it comes in. If you come here and you enjoy these places, help us protect it. Help us maintain it. You know, help us gain autonomy over it as Native peoples and, you know, be a part of that larger change that we would all like to see. And, you know, I know that there's so many things going on in the world right now with the pandemic and, you know, politics and climate change. But, you know, as people, we have to sit here and, and question, you know, what, what contribution have we made to this world? What contribution have we put towards these causes? And this is one of the ways that you can do that. And, you know, I know that sometimes we have this, this notion that, you know, an email is not going to make a difference. A, a phone call is not going to make a difference, but it does. There is power in people coming together. There is power in numbers. And this is where, you know, social media, the internet, all of this stuff, Facebook comes together. You know, they just had a prayer walk that they had where people from all over Florida and even the country came together to, to walk in prayer 
for the Everglades. And so there is other people that care about these things. And so let's, let's amplify those voices. Let's give them an even larger platform. And, you know, as, as an ally, like there has to be, um, like a moment where you sit there and you got to pass the mic, pass it, pass it to indigenous people, pass it to people of color and, you know, give us that chance to really speak for ourselves, to share our experiences, to share our ideas. And, you know, I think a lot of beautiful things will come out of that. And so just remember that your, your small impact, as small as it may seem, it goes very, very far and it contributes to a much larger impact. Yes, together we we can make a difference. And uh, Shane, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for all your insight, uh, your comments. It was so enjoyable talking to you. And I, I really think that a lot of people are going to be inspired by your words. I know that you inspire people. I've seen it before. Uh, you know, when you go there and you talk and people get energized. And I know that people are going to be like listening to it. They're going to look at the email and they're going to send the email out. Uh, to make a difference for the Everglades. So thank you so much once again. No, thank you, Frank. I appreciate the opportunity. I, I love the conversation. I was so excited, you know, when we were finally able to organize. And, you know, I really appreciate the work that you have done. I really appreciate, you know, your allyship, your the respect that you've always shown. I know that you work with a lot of my friends back at Unity as well. And they always speak so, so highly of you. And so I'm incredibly honored to have done this with you. And, you know, of course, I'd like to extend, you know, any type of help, guidance, and vice versa. You know what I mean? I just want you to know that I've created a new friendship here and I'm thankful for it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye, thank you.